0: This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to My Millennial Money Medical. My name is Dev Rugga, and in this episode, we will discuss the core strategies you can employ to pay off your debt note, I've done an episode about investing versus paying off debt, so it might be worthwhile to go back and listen to that episode if you're brand new to the channel. If you want me to discuss a specific topic, or if you have a specific question, don't hesitate to contact me via Twitter or Facebook. For those of you that are new to the channel, there are three main aims: educate, empower, and entertain. And to keep things simple, don't forget the five-step plan to organize your finances. That's about it. Now, let's get started. Right, this topic was inspired by a message I received on Christmas Eve 2021 from a listener who became consumer debt free. And they write to me, Hi Dev, I've been a keen listener for several months. I haven't started investing yet, but 2022 will be the year for me. 2021, I was focused on paying off all of my consumer debt. I used the debt snowball method, which really kept me motivated. Here's a tip to all of your listeners, never get into consumer debt. It steals your wealth and is absolutely not worth it. Thanks for the message from Anonymous. And that's the truth. I mean, that is a fantastic effort for Anonymous to come out of consumer debt in 2021 and really start focusing on moving forward with investing in 2022. And if they have already started in January 2022, it would have been a great time to start given the market did come down by about 5 to 10% in the month of January. So uh, thanks very much for the message and uh, congratulations once again on getting out of consumer debt. Now, never let anyone say that consumer debt is a good way to get ahead in life. Consumer debt is the best way to making your personal finances as toxic as possible. It steals your wealth and I agree with Anonymous, it is not worth it. Now, I'm going to go one step further I'm going to say something really controversial here, and I'm going to say, don't get into consumer debt, even if it means you might miss out on life events such as birthdays or weddings or Christmas. So yes, it's great to celebrate those events. Don't get me wrong. I think it's fantastic if you can, but if you borrow money using consumer debt, it'll just put you back years and years when it comes to saving And investing. So I'm glad Anonymous is completely out of consumer debt. Before we discuss the strategies to reduce consumer debt, we need to define it. So what is consumer debt? It's when you borrow money to buy consumer items. Some examples include credit card debt, payday loans, personal mortgage, car loans for private use, or student loans, which is a bit controversial in Australia. Um, certainly if you're from overseas and you're from the United States, for example, student loans uh, are an absolute killer for all of you up there, but certainly down under, it's not a major issue, um, although every election year it comes up and it can become a major issue if all the students and all the citizens of Australia do not keep applying that pressure to make sure that you know education in Australia stays as affordable as it possibly can. Now, that's because when you borrow money, that is back to consumer debt, to buy any one of these things, overall, it doesn't produce an income, an increase in value. And in the short or medium term, or long term even, it costs you money. So the utility of the products is limited. Now, check out my episode 88 when I discuss what is the utility theory. So essentially, consumer debt is when you borrow money to buy consumer items. Now, within consumer debt, there are two main types of consumer debt. The first one is called revolving debt, which is very, very, very dangerous. The second one is called non-revolving debt, which is very, very dangerous. So it's still bad, but probably not as bad as revolving debt. So what is revolving debt? This is debt which can be reduced, but is easily available in the form of credit so you can borrow money again. Credit cards are a great example of revolving debt. Many listeners may choose to use a credit card and pay it down completely every month. Now, don't get me wrong, I do this all the time. But I accept the fact that using a credit card means I'm likely to spend more on a monthly basis, even if I pay it all back down every single month. Because research shows if you have a credit card and you use it regularly, there is less friction when it comes to spending, so you tend to spend more. And this is one of the reasons why those vending machines, which have PayPass and credit card payments available, often make loads more money than ones which only accept cash and coins. How much more money? Well, there's a lot of data that says that those vending machines that have those facilities for PayPass can make up to 90% more money compared to those that don't have those facilities. So if you use your credit card, and you pay it off every month, that's completely fine. But please accept the fact that you may be accidentally or unknowingly spending a little bit more that month. Now, what is non-revolving debt? Now, this is when you borrow money at a fixed term and usually at a fixed interest rate and you pay the repayments over a period of time. Now, withdrawing and redrawing on this loan is actually a lot more difficult. An example is a car loan. So what are the advantages of consumer debt? Now, believe it or not, there may be some advantages, but these, in my opinion, are just theoretical. In my opinion, practically, I don't think there's any advantage of having consumer debt. So, you know, from a financial numbers point of view, I think it's just a silly thing to do, but there are some theoretical advantages From an economic standpoint, for example, the advantage is when you borrow money to buy consumer goods, it helps other people out, such as businesses, which make more money. And hopefully this means more employment, plus plus or minus more tax revenue, which means more growth in the economy. So overall, consumerism or spending money to buy things is a good thing. Now, this provides a theoretical upward mobility of society and possibly living standards, although this is controversial and we can really go on a tangent here about economic cycles and models. But I'm not going to go into that. Another example of debt being good is educational debt. Now, we did talk about that. Um, The irony in Australia is that students get student loans and inflation rates only. So we don't really pay interest rates like other countries charge their students, which I think is, you know, ridiculous. I mean, if you're a US listener, you know what I'm talking about, where you're, you know, charged up to six, seven percent interest rate on student loans. That's insane. Now, what happens in Australia is when you borrow money um to study, particularly your undergraduate or a university degree, you know, you borrow money from the taxpayer, and that is basically charged an interest rate at the same as inflation rate. So technically on a practical terms, um, your money that you need to repay back, although increases, it only increases with inflation. Now, I guess if you borrow money to study, which helps them with their education, It then betters their opportunities to make more money, which then results in higher paying jobs and therefore more spending and taxation and the cycle continues. So although I can see how it can be beneficial, I don't buy it to a large extent. So what are some of the disadvantages of consumer debt? Now, the disadvantage is it is an absolute wealth killer. That is, you're using tomorrow's money for use today. So you're borrowing from your future. The items you buy usually depreciate in value and they have very little utility uh, apart from a certain point in time. The items, you know, you buy have very limited shelf life usually. You know, you buy a toy or buy a game after a year or two, you're not going to be using that anymore. And the items that you buy often get outdated, especially technology, computers, phones, smartphones, whatever it is that you may want to buy. So I can go on and on. There's plenty of disadvantages with consumer debt. And here are the stats in Australia. The average consumer debt, sorry, the credit card debt, beg your pardon, is three thousand nine hundred and twenty-five dollars accruing interest. Now that's insanity. Especially, average interest rates are around fifteen to twenty percent per annum for credit cards. And the average household debt, excluding credit cards and mortgages, is around twenty-one thousand dollars. Again, insanity. And the average mortgage debt, which arguably is quote unquote good debt, is $540,166. So again, quite a high level of debt um, in Australia. Now, the other concept that we probably need to know when it comes to consumer debt is called the consumer leverage ratio. Now, the formula for consumer leverage ratio is basically the total household debt divided by the disposable income. Now, that's not an individual ratio, but rather on an economic scale. So the total Australian statistics needs to be analysed, and usually this sort of information is derived from perhaps the RBA data and other government agencies, although you can possibly use this CLR ratio um, in your own life if you really wanted to. It's basically a proxy uh, uh, barometer of how the economy is actually functioning on an economic scale. So uh, it's just a proxy. So in Australia, when it comes to debt, Here's the breakdown. 56% of all debt is mortgage debt. So that's quite huge. 3.1% is personal loan debt. 36% is investor debt. 1.9% is credit card debt. And 2.1% is help help debt, which is the old HECS debt, which is the Australian Student Loan Program. In other words, the student loan program of 2.1% debt is very similar to the credit card debt that we all tend to have, which is 1.9%, which is a one-to-one is ratio almost, which is a bit worrying. Now that we have understood consumer debt and debt in general, let's take a look at the main ways of paying off consumer debt. Method one, debt avalanche. Now, in finances, having a systematic approach to finances is really, really important. Just like in healthcare, you approach a patient, you take a history, you perform a systematic examination and come up with a systematic differential diagnosis. Now, if you are a a triage nurse, you ask a history, you perform some observations and have a look at the patient and use an Australasian triage category to triage that patient from one to five, one being the most urgent and five being the least urgent. So having a systematic approach to finances is very similar to having a systematic approach to healthcare. Now, having that systematic approach is also very true for repaying debt. And the debt avalanche is a systematic way of paying off debt based on the interest rate of each debt, starting from the highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate. The first step is to write down the list of debts you have and their respective interest rates, but order it from the highest interest rate debt to the lowest interest rate debt then pay the minimum amounts to all the debts and allocate any remaining funds to the highest interest rate debt. Do it repeatedly until the highest interest rate debt is paid off. And once the highest interest rate debt is paid off, you'll now have more money left over to pay off the rest of the debts. And the cycle then starts again. Pretty simple. Again, lay out the debt from highest interest rates, to lowest interest rates. Now repeat the steps again and again and again until you get rid of all of the debt. It's actually quite a simple process. But to highlight this, let's use an example. Amy is a dietitian, and has gotten herself in consumer debt. Her debts are $1,000 on credit card with an interest rate of 18%, $800 monthly repayment on a car loan, and an interest rate of 5.5%, and a total debt of about $46,000 on a car. $400 monthly repayments on a personal loan debt uh, at an interest rate of 7.5%, with a total personal loan debt of about $11,000. So using the debt avalanche system, the debt is ordered in importance for her will be $1,000 credit card debt because that's got the highest interest rate of 18%, $11,000 personal loan debt, which has got an interest rate of 7.5% and $46,000 car loan, which has an interest rate of 5.5%. So she does her monthly budget and has accrued around $400 left over after living expenses and having emergency funds, etc. Now note that because she has consumer debt, she doesn't pay herself first, remember My strategy is always to pay yourself first. But of course, if you have consumer debt, you're not going to be able to do that. You shouldn't do that because you want to get rid of your consumer debt first. You've got to get rid of it. So what does she now do with the $400 leftover money? She would allocate the $400 in this example towards paying off your credit card debt because that has the highest interest rate for her. Now, hopefully in about two and a half months, in addition to the monthly repayment of about $50, let's say, she would have knocked off her CC debt assuming her monthly minimum for CC debt, again, is around 50 bucks for simplicity's sake, right? So after eradicating a credit card debt, she would have $400, which is what she'd normally have at the end of every month, plus another $50 left over because now she's eradicated her consumer debt of credit cards. So now she has $450 left over. What does she now do with that money? Well, she allocates that to the personal loan debt of $11,000 as it's the next highest interest rate. Note she continues the monthly repayment of $400 minimum. So now she contributes total of $850 towards her personal loan debt. That is the $400 that she pays off with a personal loan plus the $450 left over because she's now paid off everything else from a credit card perspective. And using this strategy, it would take her around 13 months to get rid of her personal loan debt. Now that's a rough timeline as we haven't included a minimum monthly repayment, et cetera, plus interest, blah, blah, blah. But hopefully you get the idea. And after eradicating her credit card debt and personal loan debt, she now has $400 plus another $50 minimum repayment for credit card, which she doesn't have to do now, plus another $400 of personal loan debt, which she doesn't have to do now, left over at the end of the month. And there is now a total of $850 per month extra. In addition to a monthly car loan payment of $800, she now plows $850 per month towards the car loan in addition to that. And this means the car loan is wiped off in approximately 29 months. Again, a rough timeline. Now, the debt avalanche method uses the interest rates, the main point of reference when paying off the debt. It's mathematically a very sound way of paying off your debt. It does not take into account the emotional high you may be getting when paying off your debt. So what are the pros of the debt avalanche method? Mathematically, it's a very sound way of doing it, which means you pay the least amount of interest. And it is the shortest time frame to get out of debt, hands down. What are the bad things about it? Well, it takes a lot of discipline. And we know that people that get into debt struggle with discipline. That's how they get into that debt in the first place. It does not take into account the emotional high you may be getting when paying off debt. And it doesn't take into account the revolving and non-revolving debt system. So, for example, in Amy's case, it's all too well to pay off the credit card first due to the high interest rate, but it only works if Amy doesn't use the credit card again. And this takes some behavioural discipline. Now, before we move on, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll look at some of the other main ways of paying off
0: consumer debt.
1: now welcome back let's look at the other ways of paying off debt um, consumer debt that is and that's called the debt snowball now in this method you disregard the interest rates of any debt you have but rather focus on the actual size of the debt itself you list all of your debts from the smallest to the largest and you pay minimums on all of them And any leftover extra money you directed at the smallest debt. So it's kind of the same principles as Debt Avalanche in terms of, you know, staggering your debt repayments. But now you're focusing on the smallest debt rather than the highest interest rate debt. And once you knock out the smallest debt, you relist all of your debts again from smallest to largest again and repeat the process. You repeat the cycle until all of the debt is gone. Now, the thinking process of this strategy is that every time you get rid of a debt, you get a dopamine boost and you feel good about yourself. It's a real motivator to continue to get rid of debts. Let's look at an example to highlight this principle. Amy is a dietitian, and here is a breakdown of a debt. Now, this is a different scenario, so you need to pay attention here. Credit card debt of $20,000 at 18% interest rate personal loan debt of $3,000 at 7.5% interest rate, and a car loan of $11,000 at 3.5% interest rate. Now, using the debt avalanche method that we discussed just before, we would have focused on the credit card debt first, then the personal loan debt, then the car loan debt. Using the debt snowball method, we would focus on the personal loan debt first, because that's the smallest debt, then the car loan debt, then the credit card debt. Amy notices after monthly budget, she has around $400 left over to allocate to her debt. Remember, she doesn't pay herself first because she's got consumer debt. She pays minimums on all of the debt first. What would she do with the $400 left over? Well, she allocates it to the personal loan debt, which is the smallest debt, assuming all of the minimum repayments are around $100 each for each of her debt for simplicity's sake, which it isn't, but for the purposes of this example, let's just keep things simple. And she pays around $400 extra into the personal loan debt and it takes about six to eight months to pay off the personal loan debt. Then she focuses on the car loan and she now has an extra $600 to direct it towards the car loan and in 20 months, this gets knocked down as well. And then eventually she focuses on the largest of the debt, the credit card debt, and directs it towards the credit card debt and it takes another 30 months or so to completely get rid of it. So you can see the difference between the debt snowball method and the debt avalanche measured in terms of interest rate payments versus the size of the actual loans. So which one is better? The reality is the one which works better for you is the best strategy to repay debt. Now, the Harvard Business School has actually published an article on this topic in 2016, and it turns out the debt snowball gets people out of debt more consistently than the debt avalanche despite the D'Avalanche method being mathematically more sound and the cheapest way to get out of debt. And the main reason being the power of smaller wins. And this is where behavioural finance comes in. Research suggests that people do better if they have a sense of achieving progress, even if the progress is small. In fact, on days where you achieve any progress overall, you have a better mood when compared to days you don't achieve any progress. And for this reason the debt snowball is likely a better strategy for the majority of people. But the moral here is stick to a strategy that works for you and execute it to perfection. Now, I can relate to the fact that having smaller wins makes me feel better at the end of the day. So when I have a day where I've just got so many patients to see and I'm just buggered and I just haven't dotted the I's and crossed the T's and I haven't you know, I've handed over a lot of patients to my night shift doctor, whatever it is that they that they do, I don't feel very good about myself. But when I've done the little wins along the way, you know, when I've cleared the department, when I have a sustainable handover and I've, you know, dotted the I's and crossed the T's and checked the results and all that sort of stuff, it just makes me feel better. And therefore, towards the end of the shift, I'm far more efficient than Perhaps I would have been if I didn't do all of those things. And that sort of depends on my day as a goal. So even in life, at work, et cetera, similar concepts we may be using, and it's the same sort of thing when it comes to money and finances, now, that's method number two, that's debt snowball compared to debt avalanche, which was method number one. What about the third method? There is a third method of paying off debt, although it's not really paying off debt, it's called debt consolidation. Now, this is strictly not getting rid of debt, but is a strategy which can be used to better your cash flow and simplify your finances. I've done an episode on this back in episode 30 in my previous life as DevRugger personal finance. If you're interested, you can go back and listen to it. But let's just quickly address it for this episode. Basically, debt consolidation means you take out another loan, either from your home loan or brand new personal loan, etc., and use the funds to pay off the smaller debts which you may have. Now, the advantage here is you only have one loan, You only have one interest payments, one easy repayment and better interest rates often and less stress of multiple debts and possible better cash flow situations. So that's actually quite a lot of good things about doing this strategy of consolidating your debt. Now, let's use an example to highlight this strategy. Amy is a medical receptionist and has two credit cards and one personal loan debt. They are credit card one is $2,000 at 16% per annum interest rate, repayments of $50 per month. Credit card number two is $3,000 at 18% per annum interest rate, repayments of $55 a month and personal loan debt of $5,000 at 7% per annum repayments of about $150 per month. She contacts her bank who offers her a personal loan of $10,000 which can be used to pay off the other loans. Now, the new loan quickly has become a better option for her. It's got a better interest rate that she has compared to the other debts. So this helps her by abolishing her existing credit card debt and the new loan is over five years. So what should Amy do? In my view, and that's a humble view, Amy should use all of the minimum repayment amounts from all the other debts, and still keep paying her new personal loan that she's now used to consolidate those debts. Now, if she doesn't do this, it doesn't make any sense because she's just rolling her debts into another debt. But the aim here is to using debt consolidation to get out of debt quicker. That's the whole point. So suppose a new personal loan debt has a repayment of $200 per month, she should pay that plus the $255 she would have left over from the other debt repayments. Remember, she'd taken all the other debt and consolidated it into this new personal loan debt so the other debt she doesn't have anymore. So she should pay a total of $455 into the new personal loan debt. This will have a huge impact in paying off her debt in half the time, saving her in interest repayments. And I think this is a critical element that people don't do when they do debt re- consolidation. What they do is they consolidate their debt and then the money that they've saved because they don't have to pay all the other high interest rate uh, debt, they spend it. Well, they shouldn't. They should combine that money and pay off the new debt, including the minimum repayments, so you can get out of debt quicker. Now, The other things which may help when it comes to debt is something called balance transfers. Now, if you have multiple credit cards to save on interest, you can transfer the debt into a new credit card, which has interest-free periods, and you can actually uh, use that, and that's called balance transfers of the debt, and knock out the debt as quickly as possible. Now, this only works if you're disciplined and you do knock out the debt. Otherwise, your new card will start charging interest right from day one. If You don't pay out the transfer balance amounts, you've got to check the fine print and you've got to be very, very disciplined. Now, I have you know some colleagues that play the debt games that, that have um you know multiple credit cards and they balance transfer from one to another, and they keep rolling it over, and you know they've done really well because they keep track of all of the um you know the, the due dates and they make sure that they don't charge, they get charged any interest rates, all that sort of stuff, they're very disciplined. I just don't have that much time. So I don't do that sort of stuff because I don't have any consumer debt. And even if I did, I'd probably just debt reconsolidate and then basically pay it off as quickly as possible. Now, the other thing that you need to do is you have got to cut the credit cards once you pay it off. It's always best that you just cut it. You close the account when trying to get out of debt. So in other words, you pay off the debt and you close it and you cut the card or while you're paying off the debt, you cut the card. So you don't Actually, use that debt. And that's that concept of revolving debt is a really, really, really dangerous concept. So, revolving debt is a red flag in some hands. Now, Check that recurring payments from your credit card and cancel them or from your savings account. Be ruthless about it. Your gym membership, your Netflix, your stand, your internet, your phone, your app repayments, your YouTube. I mean, if you're not using these things on a regular basis, there's no reason why you should be paying monthly recurring repayments on them. So you'll be surprised when you look at your bank statements, how much of your payments are recurring payments. And you definitely need to analyze whether you need all of these accounts. Small amounts over long periods of time over multiple accounts definitely eat up your long-term wealth. So think of them like paying taxes or having high fees in your investments. Now, a lot of people online, you know, the fire forums and all that sort of stuff, they get so, you know, worried about the 0.09% extra fee for a particular ETF well, there's no point in skimping on those fees for investments, which is good. Don't get me wrong. That's a good strategy to have, while at the same time hemorrhaging money on recurring payments. These same people that skimp on those fees are probably potentially paying unnecessary recurring payments from their credit cards or savings account. So all I'm asking is do the simple things, just look at it and see which one you actually need, which ones you don't, and the ones that you need to make sure you get a better deal, particularly the phone, the internet, the insurance. I do it all the time to try and, you know, make sure that you're getting value for the money that you're getting deducted out of your account. That is your money that they're taking away from you. So, that's debt repaying strategies. That's about it for this episode. There's a lot covered here, including principles of debt, revolving versus non-revolving debt, strategies to pay off debt, debt avalanche, debt snowball, debt consolidation, and some of the minor strategies like balance transfers, etc. Now, the bottom line is once you pay off debt, consumer debt, that is, especially consumer debt, try to avoid getting into them again. That is the number one goal that you need to do. And once again, congratulations to Anonymous who has gotten out of consumer debt in 2021 and hopefully has started investing in 2022. Remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you may be using or just leave a five-star review on all of the platforms. That's even better because positive reviews I read makes me feel good, gives me that little boost. But also, you know, if you have feedback on it, just, you know, contact me on Facebook or Twitter and say, hey, these are the episodes I'd like you to talk about. Let's talk about this or, you know, maybe the presentation style, all that sort of stuff. I, I do enjoy getting feedback. Some of the things I take on, some of the things I don't, because you know I don't want this episodes to be clickbaity. Um, it's very, very designed for people that are time poor that want to learn about basics of financial principles in a short, succinct, and also a direct manner. So that's one of the positive feedbacks that I've received certainly recently that my episodes are very to the point and using examples that are relevant to everyday life to highlight those principles. So thank you very much for those people that have done that. The more ratings and reviews you leave, the more people get access to the podcast. So please keep them coming. I think it's really important. And thank you to those people that have done it in more recent times. My name's Dev Raga, and this is My Millennial Money Medical. And until next time, learn about debt repaying strategies, and please make sure you stay safe.